0: Thanks for listening to the Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. We are at the end of our teachings on True North. Uh, what we believe at C 112, like these are our statement of beliefs. We started with Scripture, uh, that Scripture is the basis for everything for us, like it's the, it's the foundation. It's the only way that God has revealed himself specifically to us. And there's, there's, no, there's no question, no doubt on it. And then we looked at God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, which we just, we just sang beautiful songs about, 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 about God. From there, we looked at a few different things. We looked at man... And our job as humans, as mankind, is to point to the Father. That is our goal. That's our job. If you've ever wondered if James has one drum that he beats, which which I do. But if you ever wondered if I have one drum that I beat, it's man points to the Father. And you'll see it again today. The church, guess what the church does? If you were here a few weeks ago, the church serves Christ. Again, the same beat. The drum ordinances, and we looked at uh, a couple weeks ago. We looked at the ordinances. Um, God or Jesus Christ has instituted two things to do continually. One is to take the Lord's supper, and when you take the Lord's supper, you are remembering Christ and His work. And then, if you've trusted in Christ, there is a time where you need to profess to the world, "Hey, this is what I did inside. This is this is this is symbolic of what God has done in my heart, and I want to show you." And we call that baptism. And so if you haven't done that, uh, I want to encourage you. We will, we will get a trough here or outside and we will make that happen. But ordinances honor Jesus. So man points to the Father. The church serves Christ. Ordinances honor Jesus. Last week was marriage is holy. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. It doesn't matter if it's a little kid. My kids aren't in here. I'll pick on them for a moment. Mary's going to be like, why did you tell them? We... Our kids, our two youngest ones cannot get out of our bed. Like we push them out of our bed and they get back in our bed. and We push them out of our bed. It just is not working. And so finally we had the good idea. We said we're going to put another bed in our bedroom. It was big enough to put another bed in there. And it worked for like three hours. But it doesn't matter if you're a kid or if you're a senior adult. You can honor marriage no matter where you are in life. But today... Today, if you're going to write down anything, it's this. The end is the beginning. The end is the beginning. Years ago, years ago, when I've been home all day, I don't know if any other husbands can relate to this, but years ago when I was home by myself all day, like I didn't go to work, take a mental health day, I was sick, whatever. I would lay around, i watch TV or do whatever, until it's like, oh, Mary's going to be home at like 4 o'clock. When I have that deadline in my mind, I'm watching the clock the entire time. Because it's two o'clock, I got some time. It's three o'clock, it's, three o'clock, it's pushing in it a little bit. And by about 3.30, it's like, holy smokes, because we don't cuss here, right? Holy smokes, I've got to get some stuff done to make it look like I was worthwhile while I was at home all day. And so that's when I, like, I start, and I start doing the laundry, and, and so I'm getting load going, and then I'm unloading the dishwasher, which is my daughter's job. And then I load the dishwasher so that it looks like I did something. And then I'm like sweeping, I'm vacuuming, and I'm I'm taking the trash out, I'm bathing the animals, I'm sandblasting everything, all of this in 30 minutes. Just so I'm just kidding, that was a lie. All of this so that when my wife gets home, look, your servant uh, your husband was, was productive and I was awaiting your return. Anyone else like that? <laughs> like when you know the wife or the spouse or the whoever's coming home, it's like I gotta get this done. It's the same thing with like deadlines at work. Like, when you have a deadline, for those of us that are procrastinators in the room... By the way, I start school in another, in another week, so if any of you are doing school stuff, like, we'll be procrastinators together. You know the deadline, you're like, oh, I have till 11.59, is that Central Time or Easter Time? And like, so you're just kind of waiting up to the last moment. Or if your spouse is coming home, or if you know, like, if you play sports, and you know the clock is running, and that I love. I've been watching. I've been watching middle school back, football, middle school football lately. My daughter dances, and so we're there, and I'm watching. And I am not. I don't allow myself to get involved in sports because I get very. I get very competitive, and I say mean things, and it's just bad. So that's why I watch wrestling. If you've ever wondered why does James watch wrestling, it's because it's rigged, and I don't have to get excited. But with real sports, I get really excited. And it's, like, you, you shouldn't say certain things to kids. Anyway, and so, like, I'm watching the clock running down, and, like, I see if somebody's got the ball, and I'm like, they got the ball on their head, and, and you're less than a minute, gone, and spike the ball and just call it a day. That's the no-brainer. When you know what the end is in mind, you know how to manipulate the rest of your time to get to the end. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, well, verse 16, Paul says... That we should make the most of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Like there's a lot of junk and garbage coming up. Make the most of your time. When you have an end in mind, you can work backwards and arrange your time the right way, right? Time is coming to a close. Like isn't that what we've heard all our lives? Like when I was younger, I, I, I want to tell you about old man Tom. Old man Tom. I would go and see old man Tom a lot, a lot. And he was the kind of guy, I would go to his place. It was a camper. It was smoky as all get out. They were chain smokers. I would have to throw away my clothes. I'm just kidding. I would have to wash. I I left them to the end of the day, and then I would wash my clothes immediately. It was just bad. I'd go to Tom's place. Great guy. Loved the Lord. And every time I'd go in, I'm like, hey, let's talk about Scripture today. What's God been doing in your life? He's like, hey, do you know about the end? I'm like, no, tell me about the end. He's like, well, you need to go on and read Daniel chapter 12. And then we'll come back next time and we'll talk about it. And so I remember going in one time and said, hey, do you? Like I knew he hadn't been to church in years. But I remember asking, like, hey, have you, have you, have you got a copy of the Bible? Have you been, what, what's God been showing you in the Word lately? He's like, oh, I don't have a Bible. Can you bring me one? Most end time prophecy people don't get in their word regularly. Some of them don't even have a copy of the Bible. And I know this because of my line of work and who I get to talk to most often. They don't have a copy. A lot of them, that's the only drum that they beat is end time prophecy. It's like we've got it all wrong and all backwards. I grew up on the books called uh, Left Behind. I went, my, my second church that I ever served at had a church library and had like all 15 of them. I'm like, wow. I never read one. I watched a couple, three of the movies. The one with Louis Gossett Jr. is really good, I think, of the three. And then Nick Cage redid it, and I just can't watch a lot of Nick Cage movies. I grew up on a, a, there was a movie called Thief in the Night. Like, it will scare the socks off of you, called Thief in the Night. And it's about what happens when Christ comes back, and he comes in like a thief in the night. and, And it's just super scary. There was a song by DC Talk uh, they covered from another band, I think back in the 70s, called I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I wish we'd all been... Nope. Okay, good. Good. When I was in college, a lot of my classmates in Bible college, there was debates on end times. Are you pre, pre, pre-tribulation or post-tribulation? Are you, what millennial view do you have? What kind of... In like churches, imagine this, back in the 80s, churches would ask you as a pastor or a youth pastor coming in... They say, well, what's your millennial view or what's your end times view? And if you didn't have the right one that they had, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't accept you. Or if somehow you snuck in, they'd fire you. Nowadays, we don't have these debates as much like that. those generations. of, And that view of thinking is antiquated. We're not going to really talk about the millennial view today. And, and, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But you begin to find people that fixate, like old man Tom, on figuring out the end times like it's a code. Like, man, there's a code to understanding what the end is like. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says it this way. Blessed, happy is another way to put it. Happy is the one who does what? Reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And happy are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep What is written in it? You've got to read it out loud. There's a public proclamation, but that public proclamation doesn't doesn't equate to, does not equal preaching. When it says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, it's not blessed or happy is the one who preaches this or studies this intensely. For I was listening to one of these podcasts and it was. You could pay, it was about, and I love David Jeremiah. It was not him, it was not his ministry, but it was someone who grabbed a hold of his stuff. And they were selling his 31 signs of the end times for 145 bucks. But if you can't afford that, you can break it up into three easy payments. And I'm like, oh my goodness. It's not blessed or happy as the one who studied, like reads these and studies and preaches them. No, it's just you have to read it, number one. You hear it. Number two. But number three, and this is what I love so much. You keep what is written in it. You keep what is written in it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, he says this. He says, keep watch because you don't know what day the Lord will come. What day is the Lord going to come? You don't know. People are always trying to figure it out. I think it's going to be... People actually in the 80s are like, it's going to be 1988. It's going to be like so many years after Israel becomes like their own nation, according to Scripture. So it's going to be 1988. And guess what? 1988 came and, and went. And the Lord didn't come. They're like, oh, no, no, it's not, not 1988. It's 1998. And then 1998 came and went. And I feel sorry for 1998 because they didn't get the party like it was 1999. And then 1999 came. And then 2000, we didn't die with Y2K. Machines didn't shut off. Terminator is, Skynet is global, by the way, but the machines didn't shut off the world. In in 2008, in 2018, and like all these people are trying to unlock it like a code. Jesus says himself, keep watch because you don't know what day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and wouldn't let his house get broken into. That's kind of like us. When our spouse is coming home or with deadlines... The end of the game clock. If we know, he says, you must also be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour you don't expect him. We are often fixated on, I really need to know when the end is so that I can get away with all the stuff I'm going to do now. And then I can hurry these last little bit of days until the Lord comes. That's what we often do. The people that I grew up with, that's what they did. So he's like, Blessed there are those who hear the words or listen. In those that keep what is written it. Those that obey what's written in this prophecy. Obey what? The prophecy of Jesus was given to John. We see that in, in, John, in Revelation chapter 1 verse 4. The book of Revelation is written specifically to seven churches in Asia. Seven churches. Now it translates to us, it applies to us today, but it was written to seven churches specifically in Asia. These were things... The things that are happening in in the apocalypse or the the revelation are things, and I I want you to hear me clearly, outside of our control. If you read the entire book of Revelation, those are all things outside of our control. Those are things that Jesus does. Those are things that the seven elders do. Those are things that are happening in the heavens that they do. Those are things that are coming down from heaven that they do. We have no bearing on it. There's nothing that we can do except when Jesus says, hey, pray. Come, Lord, quickly. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. We can can pray. There are times when when tragedy hits our families. There are times when tragedy hits our nation or the world. And I'm praying. I'm like, come quickly, Lord Jesus, with a broken heart. But all the things that happen in Revelation, the things that happen in Daniel... Things that happen in 1 Thessalonians that Paul briefly, briefly, briefly mentions. The things that Jesus very briefly mentions. Did you know that he mentions hell in more times than he, he talks about the end times? Did you know that Jesus talks about money way more than he talks about hell and way more than he talks about the end times? These are things that are outside of our control. We are to keep what is written in the Word. I love it because the first. that Jesus says after John gives his introduction Jesus lays his right hand on John and he says this is the first thing he says after he says write this down he says what don't be afraid he knows that we are the kind of people that get afraid about everything and our minds like roll at night all day long like we like our minds can't shut down and we get afraid of anything and everything and then if someone's like man there's wars rumors of war. there's world war 3 is going to happen i heard i've heard that since 1986 y'all iron eagle 3 anyone you watched iron eagle 3 okay good thank you Whew. all right <laughs> classic movie not as good as iron eagle 1 and 2 80s movies but yeah, like you think about those things. These are things that are outside of our control. And he says, don't be afraid. And then he says, I, he says I'm the first and the last. I am alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. I want to tell you this. We can gain encouragement on how to live or not live in the address to the seven churches of Asia here in the book of Revelation. We can get a lot of encouragement on how to live and how not to live. Revelation chapter 2 and 3. So, just to remind you, most of Revelation is stuff outside of our control. So, what is our role? What is our one thing that we need to do? We need to be ready. We're going to get into Ephesians chapter 5 in a moment, so you can flip there if you'd like. One more scripture from Revelation 16, verse 15. Jesus says, Happy or blessed is the one who is alert. Blessed is the one who is alert. Just got to keep our eyes open. For the end? No, no, no. For Jesus. That's the drum I've been beating for weeks and years, and if you, however long you've been tracking with me, like it's to always keep our eyes on Jesus, to keep to be able to see Jesus in every scene of life because He's present always. He's present in our hurt. He's present in our in our happiness. He's present in our in our pain. He's pre, pre, present in our pleasure. He's present always. So part of the problem with end time prophecy is we think with the wrong end in mind. We're modern thinking westerners that are trying to look at scripture with unfortunately we 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 don't even know we're doing it but we're looking at scripture with modern thinking and with western eyes. This scripture was written 2000 to 3 4000 years ago. And we're trying to interpret it now with the way that we think and see things. With a mindset of Western thinking, and it was written in the Middle East. And unfortunately, they have a different way of thinking than we do. That's why it's so important when we're studying Scripture to really dig in and to study it. If you ever wondered, like, why, why does James listen to podcasts and read commentaries? Why, why did James learn Greek and halfway learn Hebrew? <laughs> It's so that I could like learn a little bit more. And try to there's actually an excellent book called um, Reading Scripture with Western Eyes. I had to read it a few years ago. It was an excellent book. I'm like, man, I never realized I was doing that. That's how easy it is to take Philippians 4.13 and you, you turn it into a football verse and you put it underneath your eyes and you're like, I can do all things. I'm gonna sack you, man. I'm gonna get two, I'm gonna get a safety. There's a terminal end to everything. The problem is God is infinite. Say it with me. God is infinite. That's the problem. We think that God is finite, so we think that there is that God works within the realm of time. And what is amazing is that we've got the God of the universe working outside of the realm of time. He's not bound by time. And so here it is, we're looking for an end, and we're looking at the end being timelines, and God's like, "It's not about timelines." It's like, I'm not part of timelines. I'm in them and outside of them. The end of us is not the end at all. So I think that we are looking at the end the wrong way. We look at time instead of being more like Jesus. Perfection is our terminus. And we don't reach that until we are perfected in Christ at our earthly death. David Platt writes this. He says, Revelation was not written to create confusion for the Christian, cause division in the church, or promote speculation about the coming of Christ. God gave us Revelation as an unshakable hope to suffering Christians in the present. That's why he gave this letter to the seven churches. So, how does C112 view the end? We see the end is actually the beginning. And regarding the end times, all I know for certain, and all we'll preach for certain, is that Jesus wins. And the role of the believer is to share the gospel to the nations. If you haven't caught anything else that C112 believes in our True North series of teachings, is that we are always trying to laser focus on Jesus We're always trying to reflect who God is. We're always trying to rely on the Spirit. Like it's all about Jesus and nothing about these peripheral things that we can all argue about. And it's, you know what? It's good to have differing viewpoints. It's okay and it's healthy. David Platt said it's a sin to let these different viewpoints become a problem between us. But it's okay. It's good. It's healthy. It's sanctifying, he says, actually. It's sanctifying. It makes us into becoming more like Christ. But the main thing is that Jesus... Wins. And our goal, our role, is to bring the gospel to the nations. So, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. I'll read them and then we'll look at them briefly. Be, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the time because the days are evil. He concludes, Paul says, don't be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. He says, pay careful attention. The word careful, it's, in, it's interesting. I normally love this version. This is called this Christian Standard Bible. That's what I read from. It's usually linguistically, like how it translates word for word. What was in the Greek or what was in the Hebrew is one of the most faithful translations out there. But it also has a good thought for thought or what we call a... a what people can understand, idioms of the day. And so that's why I usually love the Christian Standard Bible because it's a good mix of both. And it's up there with the ESV on word for word. But it's up there with NIV and NLT and some others. Like It's actually better than those on capturing the idiom or the sayings of the day for the Easterners that wrote this. Okay? Does that make sense? I normally like it, except it it and most of the... Translations get this word placement for careful wrong. The King James, I think, is one of the only ones that actually gets the placement of this word correctly in this verse here. It says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. The word careful should actually be here. Pay attention then to how you walk carefully. It's an adverb. It should actually be after the word walk. Pay attention, like look is actually the, the, the word. Look, behold, take note of how you walk carefully. My daughter, the youngest one, we were, we were in the bedroom yesterday. We were walking from the, from the kitchen into, through the bedroom into the bathroom. And the light was out, but the, light in the bathroom was on, so there was some light. And she was walking, and she was watching Mom. So that she had her eyes on Mom, which was good. So what you should always do, right? Keep your eyes on the person that's in charge. And but she stumbled over some some stuff that we had on the floor. And Mary's like, watch me. You you're like, pay attention. I said, she was watching you, but she wasn't paying attention to walk carefully. Because she wasn't paying attention to what was on the floor in front of her. That is what Paul's telling us to do. He's like, you keep your eyes on Jesus, but you need to walk and walk carefully. And that's actually what these three verses are about. 15, 16, and 17 is how we walk carefully. Not stumbling. Not skipping through life. But careful walking. I said this at a funeral recently. Probably one of my favorite funerals to do. Not the most encouraging funeral. But I said this. How we live today... Matters forever. What we do today, the decisions that we make today, matter for eternity. So pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as what? Unwise, but as wise. The word wise there, I want to remind you that wisdom comes from God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, and I really like this about, about the book of Genesis, and really about the whole scripture. Genesis chapter 3 mentions about the fruit. There was a fruit. Do you remember? Whoopsies. There was a fruit that the woman saw that was pleasing. She saw that it was pleasing for food. And then she says that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. And that was fascinating that the woman saw. Do you remember there was a tree of of life? And then there's also a tree of knowledge of good and evil. She saw, thank you. She saw that there was a tree of knowledge that was desirable for gaining wisdom. Do you know in the book of Revelation that it talks about in the new new heavens and in the new earth that there's going to be the tree of life and there's going to be the tree of knowledge? It's coming full circle. God wants us to have wisdom. In Exodus chapter 28 it says the artisans are filled with wisdom. And that God gives him this wisdom. First Kings chapter four and First Kings chapter five it explores the author explores that the Lord gave Solomon wisdom. Psalm chapter Psalm chapter one eleven says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm chapter ninety verse twelve and this was one of the verses at that funeral that I did. Teach us to number our days carefully. Why? So we may develop wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 6, Solomon reminds us the Lord gives wisdom. Here's your application. The closer you get to God, the wiser you'll be. The closer you get to God, the wiser you'll be. That, That is the best way to make use of the time because the days are evil. Let's take a look at Verse 16. Make the most of the time. What's the best way to make the most of the time that we've got left? Because some of us will die before the Lord comes back. Maybe all of us. I have no clue. No clue. I know that Jesus wins, and I need to make the best use of my time. That doesn't mean sit on the couch and watch Netflix or or Amazon Prime. I think that's what I did last time. Until like 30 minutes before Mary gets home... No, make the best use of your time. Well, James, what's the best use of my time? Getting close to the Lord. Well, how do I do that? You study His Word. We have an opportunity here at C112 to give you access to 20,000 Bible studies online. Videos that you can watch. Overseas, here, on the planes, you can listen to them in the car. They actually have a way for you to download and just listen in the car. You can listen to all these things. It's beautiful. You can share with other people to get our gift from us to you so we want you to grow in Scripture. You can grow in apologetics, you can grow in in theology, study of theology, cursory. You can can study books of the Bible. You can study marriage or parenting or whatever. Mental health, like it's all in there. It's beautiful stuff. Our kids right now are studying what it means to be a Christian, 1 John. That's the best way to make use of our time that what we've got left. Verse 17, we're done. He says, So don't be foolish. Don't be a fool. But understand what the Lord's will is, that we're there for will. The exact word Paul uses six times in the book of Ephesians. The short book. That's a short book. And he uses it six times. Lord's will. He uses it twenty one times in the he, he himself uses it twenty-one times in his in his letters. First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three, he says that God's will is, get this, your sanctification. I have people ask me all the time, whether I was a youth pastor, whether I was a pastor, associate pastor, whether I'm a chaplain. I have people all the time. What is God's will for me in this? What is God's will for me in my suffering? What is God's will for me as a student? What is God's will for me as an adult? What is God's will for me in whatever's going on? First 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3 says, your, God's will for you is your sanctification. That you become more like Christ. That's what that means. Become more like Christ. Why? Not not because it's literally what Scripture teaches, but because we emphatically know the end of the story is that Jesus wins. So, my question as we close is how are you going to live with the end in mind? What are some things that you are going to do to live with the end in mind? and become more like Christ. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for these moments together, for my friends here today. God, those that will be listening later on, God, it's my prayer that we look to you, Jesus, that we share your gospel, your good news with everyone, and that we would make the most of our time. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.